I was telling the worship team earlier that these are my favorite Sundays. I love fifth Sundays. I love family Sundays where everybody gets to worship together. I love them because, to me, they're less stressful, right? And I get to just be a kid and have fun with you guys. And it's just, it's just a lot of fun. I don't get in trouble for it either. So it's good times, good times. Psalm 139, we're going to have a good time studying God's Word today. All right. Will the scripture be on the screen by chance? It will be on the screen. So if you don't have the Bible with you, you can look on the screen. I'm going to open us up with a prayer before we get started, and then we will read Psalm 139. Father, thank you so much uh, for this uh, today, the beautiful uh, day that it is, God, as we woke up this morning and saw uh, your sunrise, and as we uh, feel the warmth of that sun uh, down on us, God, we just thank you and give you praise for that. We thank you so much for uh, just the, the gift of, of life and breath in our lungs, uh, God, we're able to just come and, and, and worship you. Father, you alone are worthy of our worship. And I thank you for the opportunity for us to come together in one service like this as, as one church and to, um, to worship together, a family uh, together, and we just thank you, God, so much for that. And I just pray now as we come, as we study your word together, that you would just open our minds and our hearts, God, and that you will uh, just help us to see just how beautiful and uh, amazing and awesome and powerful that you are. And God, that we would see our need for you. I pray, God, that uh, today that would, uh, kids would uh, just be able to maybe start some conversations at home with parents about different things. And so, God, we just pray that your spirit would just continue to move in this place as we study your word. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. So Psalm 139 is, is a popular psalm. And uh, it's popular because of a few verses that... Uh, we like to quote from this psalm. If you grew up in church, you're probably familiar with it. Um, but it starts out, the, the, the popular part, we're going to read the whole thing. But, well, not the whole thing. We're going to read down through verse 18. But the, the popular part is, um, for you, you formed me, you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. And so we take that and we quote that and, and we put that on coffee mugs and t-shirts and all that good stuff. And we talk about how you are a unique you and God made you special and all that good stuff. And all that's true. But we're not necessarily going to talk about you today, okay? Because I think this psalm more so speaks about the nature of God and who he is and how wonderful and awesome and powerful he is. And so I want us to focus our attention today on God, and, and we're going to ask some questions here in just a minute. But let's read this together, and uh, I'll start us off in verse 1. And this is David, uh, King David. If you don't know David, he was a king of Israel. Uh, he's known for uh, killing the giant Goliath and uh, a lot of other things that he wished that uh, he wasn't known for, uh, which we won't get into today because it is Family Sunday. All right? You adults know what I'm talking about. And so let's start with Psalm 139, and this is what David writes. He says, O oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. 
Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance, and your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. So like I said, this is a very popular psalm, and I just want to kind of ask you guys some questions, and I'm going to jot down some, some words here. If you could describe God, okay, if you could uh, just give God, you know, the attributes of God, how would you describe God? Give me some one words that you would use, okay? Kids, adults, everybody answer. Just go ahead. How would you describe God? I'm not going to try to write that, okay? And I'm just kidding. That, that's how I'm going to use it in my sermon because I've got elementary age kids here. And uh, so, so kids, just so you know, omni, this, this, this word right here, means all. And that's all. And then this, this word right here means knowledge. Okay, and we're going to talk. Let me finish spelling it out for you. I was going to put No. Uh, so, so, uh, so omniscient means all-knowing, all-knowledge, okay? Go ahead, some more words. He's all-present. You guys are preaching my sermon for me right here. Some other words. Love. What else? Forgiving. What else? Spirit. What else? Father, okay, awesome, y'all excuse my handwriting, I'm just having fun here, okay, thankfulness, what else, awesome, omnipotent, which again is a big word for you guys, uh, but it's all powerful, that's right, all powerful, amazing, Holy, that's a good one. Anybody, anything else? I'm sorry, what? Uh, uh, comfort, trustful, and comforter. Is that, is, that, is that what I'm hearing? Comforted, comfortable, whatever. You guys, you guys know what it is, all right? Yes. 
Hope, that's a good one. Very good one. Say, healer. Life. Creator. Oh, okay, okay. So, so, so you guys get the idea here, right? These are all words, and we could do, we could do this all day long to describe the attributes or the nature of God. Now, here's the thing that I want to propose to you this morning, okay? Depending on your view of God, if you have a big view of God, like if you believe all these things and you believe that God is, is awesome and He is mighty and He is powerful and He is all-knowing and all-present, if you believe that, if you have that view of God, then you are going to live your life in accordance with that. And what I mean by that is you're going to live in a, such a way that, that your life is going to be changed and transformed because God is all of these things. But if you have a low view of God, then you probably will not live in accordance with that. Right? The life will be all about you. Okay? See, if you look at these attributes, you see all these things about God. God is big, but if you have a low view of God then you're going to be, it's, it's, life is going to be about you. It's going to be like, what is in it for me type of thing, right? And so my question for us this morning is that we walk through this psalm is I wonder if we have lost some of the awe and wonder for God, right? When we sit here and we list all these things, these attributes of God, uh, does, does it make you like just in, be in awe and wonder of how awesome and how great our God is? And I think, I think the problem is for us is we use words like awesome and amazing, which are all great words uh, to talk about God, but we also use these words in everyday life, don't we? Right? See, here's the thing, man. God created us in his image. We learned that in Genesis 1 and 2. And so we are created in the image of God, and the reason he created us is so that we would worship him, right? So that we would take all these things, we would look at God, and we would worship him, and he would be glorified in all that. But what happens in Genesis chapter 3 is that sin entered the world. Adam and Eve disobeyed God, and sin entered the world. And when sin entered the world, it broke our relationship with God. We were separated from God. And so what ends up happening is, is our view of God no longer is like awe and amazement and wonder, but it's more like, it's, it's more like a low view of God. And so it's the life becomes centered around us. And so what happens is, is we, we use words every day. We say things like, how many of you kids say things like, man, that was awesome, right? How many adults say that, right? Well, hey, we do that, right? We kind of throw that, or man, that was just really, really good, right? Like, man, that was just a good cup of coffee, right? <laughs> Teresa Jesse says, amen. She drinks like two pots a day, so she knows. <laughs> right? We use those words, and I think what happens is, is they just become uh, just mundane words that we use, and, and so when we think about God, they, 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 no long, they kind of lose their, their value and their meaning. So let me give you a couple examples from, from my own life, Okay? So growing up, one of my, I, I love cereal, uh, and growing up, one of my favorite cereals was Fruity Pebbles. Anybody else? All right. So, so last year, when we were at the beach on vacation, we were shopping at Kroger for groceries, and uh, at K. Rogers, did I say Kroger? I'm sorry, K. K Rogers, I'm sorry. And, uh, and so we were shopping there, and, uh, and we were walking down the cereal aisle, because it's vacation, we have some sugary cereal, I love sugar cereal, um, and I don't get it that often, but, but we're walking down the aisle, 
And what do I see but the heavens open up, <laughs> right? And I see this on the shelf. Marshmallow Fruity Pebbles. Yes, yes. I mean, listen, you talk about sugar overload, okay? I saw these, and I looked at Robin, and I said, how awesome is this, right? Like, I was like, I, I think I grabbed the box, and it just fell. So, so listen, last, week, last year at the beach, I bought a box of these, and we ended up having to go buy, like, two or three more boxes because I went to town on this cereal. And so what happened is, is we get home, and now I only allow myself a box, I mean a bowl, uh, on, on Sunday, Sunday night, I will sit down and I will eat a box, I mean a bowl, of fruity marshmallow, uh, marshmallow fruity pebbles. Uh, but, but you see what I'm saying? Like, this is, I said this is awesome, right? And so I'm, what I'm using, I'm using this word awesome uh, for, for marshmallow fruity pebbles. I'm going to tell you something, man. Come Monday morning at 6 o'clock when I'm at the gym, they're not, they're not so awesome, right? They're not so awesome uh, when I'm feeling it, you know, and I'm like, I'm dying, you know. And so, but that's what we do, okay? Another example is, man, I love football, right? I love football, man. I love, I, I talk about how I go to the games, and I just love the pageantry of it, and I talk about how awesome it was, right? And again, there's nothing wrong. Please don't get me. I'm not saying this is bad, okay? I'm not saying any of these things are bad. I, I still love fruity, uh, marshmallow fruity pebbles. I still love football, my point is, I'm just trying to, trying to help you to see that we use these words every single day in our language. Kids, how about, how about you guys have any of these at home? You guys have electronic devices? This is an iPad. <sighs> That's my, my oldest son, by the way. So this is, this is mine. You see, the, you see the sinful nature coming out there? And, uh, and, and so what happens, man, is, is we, we, we get captivated, right? We get captivated by this screen. Adults, we do the same thing, man. How often do we pull out our iPhones and we scroll through Facebook or Instagram or we check emails, right? And, and we're, again, we, we get captivated by these things and we lose sight of the awe and wonder of God, right? We, we would rather go to a video game. We'd rather play Candy Crush or whatever else we play there, that uh, rather than just than, than being in awe and amazement and wonder of God. And so, so that ends up happening, and we, again, as, as a result of sin, right, we allow ourselves to get captivated by these things. And so what David does here in this psalm, man, is, is, is a beautiful thing because he writes this, and David is, is described in the Scripture as a man after God's own heart. And so David, David just kind of takes a look at who God is. And he's like, God, you, you, are, you are amazing. You are awesome. And he just kind of, just kind of reorients his view on who God is and gets a proper view. And, I, and that's what I want us to do today. I just want to kind of paint uh, who God is to you and so that you can just be in awe and wonder. And then I want to give you parents just a couple of suggestions on how you can kind of continue doing this at home with your kids, uh, so that we can just, so that kids grow up with this, so they're not just, you know, in awe and amazement of, of marshmallow fruity pebbles, right, as good as they are, uh, but they're in awe and amazement of the creator of the universe, amen? So let's walk through this just real quickly. Uh, we're not going to do necessarily verse by verse, but, but we're going to break it down in chunks, okay? And so you guys kind of used all three of my words that I'm going to use this morning, uh, and the very first thing we see here that David says 
is that God is, as the big word was said, omniscient, which means all-knowing. All-knowing, okay? So he says, O Lord, look at how many times he says the word searched, known me, you know when I sit down, you know when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar, you search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Right, that's, that's, the, that's the language of knowing. Right? Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O oh Lord, you know it all together. So I want to I ask you a question. Let me erase what's on the board here. I want you to think about this. Let me erase this chicken scrap up here. All right? So I'm going to draw a circle here. All right? Everybody see this circle? And in this circle, this circle, inside this circle, represents all of the knowledge in the universe. Sum total of all the knowledge in the universe, okay? And and what the scripture says, what David is saying here, is, is that God, you know, you know all these things, right? He says, you, 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 you know when I sit down, you know when I rise up, you discern my thoughts, Right? Like, like God is the uh, original. He, he, uh, knowledge originates with God. God knows all things on a grand scale, on a macro scale. He knows all things on a micro, like a small scale. Like God knows every single thing. Did anybody teach God anything? Kids, did, did, God, did anybody teach God anything? No, no. God is, it, it all started with Him. He is the origin of it. And so... God knows everything, okay? So, so I want you to think about what is it that you know in your life? What do you know best? Like somebody just, like any, any kid, just raise your hand and tell me what you have a lot of knowledge about. Does anybody, any kid besides iPad and games and things like that? Yes. English. So you know a lot about English. Where were you when I was in school? <laughs> uh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> she said, she basically said I was old. I'm old. I, uh, which I am. I am. Uh, so anybody else? What else? Yes. Social studies. You have a lot of knowledge about social studies, okay? Anybody else? Anybody else? History. What about you guys down here? I know you know a lot about, what did you do yesterday? You know a lot about swimming, don't you? Right? See, I know a lot, about, a lot about football. I love football. I know a lot about football. And every Saturday when I watch college football, I say to myself, I should be a coach. Right? Because that's how much I know. Right? I know. But here's my question for you, okay? If you look at this right here, and this is all the knowledge in the world. This is where God, this is all his knowledge. How much, where do you think you would fit in with all of your knowledge? A speck, maybe. Right? I mean, I would be just... Like that. Can you see that? You know? like, like literally, that, that's where we would fit in, maybe, right? So the point is, God is big. I, I love my oldest son, Jude. Man, he, he is great. But, um, and parents with kids around this age, six, seven, eight years old, man, they just, they, you try to teach them something, you try to tell them something, and before you can even like, get the words out of your mouth, what do they say? I, I know, I know. And it frustrates, I'm like, you, do you know? Then, then do it, you know? And he, but, so, but we don't know, right? Compared to God, uh, God knows everything, right? He, he, knows, um, he, he knows all. 
Uh, he says in verse 5, he says, you hem me in behind and before. Right? What he's saying there is, is God, you know my past, you know my present, and you know my future. Think about that, kids, that God knows your future. Right? So, so this is, this is a, a, a thing that you can hold on to, right? Because sometimes we think to ourselves, man, where is God when we're going through a difficult situation? But, but what David is teaching us is that, that, that God knows our past, he knows our present, he knows our future, and so we can trust God, right? We have nothing to fear because God is in control, right? This is also a picture of uh, the eternal God, that God is eternal. He has no end, right? So, so he, he hemmed us in before he has, knows our past, present, and future. Uh, God knows you better than you know yourself, Think about that. God knows you better than you know yourself. He says, it is too wonderful for me. Now, that word wonderful is not the same way that we use wonderful. Like, we'll say, oh, that's just so wonderful, right? But the way David uses it here is it's beyond being able to comprehend, to figure out. Like, God is so big that, that we, will, we can study God from now until the day that we go be with Jesus, and we still haven't even reached the depths of how big God is. And, and what's even cooler than that is this, is that when we get to heaven, that we will still continue to learn more and more and more about God. Like God, it's a, deep, it's a well that's so deep that you'll never reach the bottom of it. Think about that. Like you just constantly be learning new things about this great and awesome God. It's just amazing to me, right? So we go through verses 7 and 12 here, and we see that, that not only is God all-knowing, but God is also, as we've said, all present. That God is everywhere. Now, this is really good. Let's read verses 7 to 12. He says, where shall I go from your spirit? He's asking a question. Or where shall I flee from your presence? He says, if I ascend to heaven, right, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. Now, Sheol in the Old Testament was kind of referred to as the grave. So, so what David is saying is, is, if I go to heaven, you're there. If I go down to Sheol, you are there. And then I love verse 9. I want to point out something to you because I think this is really cool. He says, if I ascend to heaven, you are there. Oh, I just read. That's verse 8. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me. I love that verse. I want you to think about this with me for a second, kids. I know you can think about this, all right? Um, what rises in the east every single morning? The sun. So I want you to look at what David says here. He says, he says, if I take the wings of the morning, that's a reference to the sun there, rising in the east. If I take the wings of the morning, now check this out, and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea. Now when you read that, you might think to yourself, well, David is kind of going back to the, the, the depths, right? The, the, the place of Sheol. But think about where David is writing this psalm for a second. David is writing this psalm where, adults? Where is he writing this? It's not a trick question. Okay, let me answer it for you. In Israel. Okay, so he says, he says as the wings rise in the morning, the sun rises in the east, what would be west of David? The sea? Right? That was a tricky, that was a tough one, right? I can see you guys are struggling with that. Maybe, maybe it was a little too much. Maybe I should have left that out. I don't know. But, 
But, but what he's saying, this is what David is saying. Get this. He says, man, if I go to the heavens, if I go to the grave, if I go east or west, he says, you're there. That's what he's saying. You are present everywhere. I cannot go anywhere where you are not present. That's what he is saying. Uh, so, so think about this for a second, kids. How many of you guys like to play hide and go seek? Hide and go seek? Uh, are you good at it? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe a little bit. If you're like my kids, you're, well, we won't go there. All right. So, so hide and go seek, right? And so we, the, the point of the game is, is you, you hide so that the other, other person cannot find you. Guess what? You can't do that with God, right? God, God is everywhere all the time. He is present. Uh, he is not bound by time. So let me have, uh, you guys, can you guys come up on stage for a second? Do you mind? All right. Is it too much? I won't embarrass you. I, I, I want to embarrass you, I promise. I want to embarrass you. All right? Tell everybody your names. I'm Colin. Colin. I'm Patrick. Patrick. How old are you, Patrick? Uh, 15. 15. What year were you born? 2001. 2001? 12, 2005. 12, 2005. So, so here's the point I want to make, kids. Look at this. These guys right here, Colin and Patrick, have a start date. They were born. Just like every single person in this room, I was born in 1977. 77. So, so we all have a start point. And here's the thing, man. We all will have an end point, right? We will all have an end point. So, so if you take uh, this right here, you stand over on that side, okay? And you take uh, this span right here to be kind of their, their life. It could be anywhere from, you know, whatever to whatever. Even if they live to be 100, right? That's 100 years. That's the beginning and the end. And what David is saying is, is that, that God is not bound by time. He is present everywhere. He's always been. I'm, I'm speaking through two microphones here. What am I doing? All right. So, all right. So, so what he's saying is, is I'm not bound. I'm not bound by time, right? So, so God is keeps going that way. God keeps going that way. Like He is not. So, see, we we are bound by time. We we measure everything by time: months, days, years, hours, minutes. Right? We measure everything by time. But God steps outside of time. God is not bound by time. And he is eternal. He goes from, he's always been and will always be. You guys give these guys a hand. Good job. You guys can be seated. Thank you. So God stands outside of time. He is everywhere. He is fully present. Uh, highest heights, deepest depths. Uh, just a beautiful picture there of what he is saying. Uh, he says the darkness is as light to him. Nothing is hidden from God. Nothing is hidden from God. You know, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they tried to hide from God, and they just couldn't do it. They could not hide from God, right? Uh, man, God, God is fully present all the time. So it's not like you think, okay, well, well, part of God is over in China, and part of God is over here in the U.S. No, God is fully present everywhere all the time. And I was going to say one other thing about that, but I, I think I'll, I'll pass on that. Um, so, so here's the thing. So then the last, last attribute that we're going to talk about, and then, we'll, and then we'll, we'll move on here, is that God is all-powerful. Now, this, this is a, a great, great picture here, uh, because this is what verses 13 through 17 says. He says, For you formed me, you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. Uh, I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, 
My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you uh, when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. That, that depths of the earth refers to your mama's belly, okay, where you, where you were born, where you were made, uh, where God forms you is what the scripture says. Uh, and so, so what we see here, man, is that God is all-powerful, that God is creator God. Right? He, he creates everything. Next week, we're going to be looking at Psalm 8, and there's a beautiful verse in that Psalm 8 where it says that God made things with his fingers. Right? And so God is, God is all-powerful. He is the creator God. He, he forms our inward parts. God gives life to everything. When you wake up in the morning and you're breathing air, God gave you that breath. God is all-powerful. He is, he is self-sufficient. He is self-sustaining. God has no needs. You and I have needs, right? We, we, we get hungry. We need food. We need clothing. We need shelter. God does not need anything from anyone, he doesn't get tired. He doesn't get hungry. He doesn't need sleep. He doesn't... Listen, God does not run out of good ideas and need somebody to give him. You know, we, sometimes we like to tell God, hey, God, I got a great idea, and I think this would be great, you know? God, God does not need any good ideas, does he? Right? He, he, is, he, he, he sustains all and is himself sustained by none. Right? So, so you guys know the song, the kids' song. Let's sing it together, Right? He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got you and me, brother. We don't have to go that far, okay? <laughs> right? Uh, but that, that, that's a picture, right, of, of God's power, right, that he holds the world in his hands, that he is, he is sustaining every bit of it. And that, that's just a beautiful thing, man, right? So, so in all these verses leading up to all this, David has told us that man is measurable, right? That, that we can, our thoughts can be measured, that our words can be measured, that, that we are measurable, right? Our, the number of our days are determined, the number of places where we can inhabit are determined. Uh, all these things, right? He says that we are completely measurable people, right? But, but God, in contrast is immeasurable. God cannot be measured. Right? So when you think about that, when we listed all these words up on this whiteboard here, right, God cannot be measured. God cannot be, like he, he has given us knowledge about him through his word and we can read his word and we can learn about God, but we will never, ever, ever get to the depth of, of how big and great and awesome and powerful God is. And that's what's so amazing. Right, that, that God is that powerful. Now, here's the last thing I want to point out to you, and then we'll close out, because this is the most important. Right, so God is all-powerful. And, and so when God created us, when God created Adam and Eve in the beginning, he created them with what is called free will. You guys know what free will is? You guys know what it is? Just nod your head. Free will is the ability to choose right from wrong. So you have the ability... To, to do what's right, or you have the ability to do what's wrong, okay? Now, now here's the thing. God is all-powerful, and God could have easily created us to make us love him. Did you know that? He could have done that. 
He could have done that, right? Because he is all-powerful. He is sovereign. But so- sovereign, sovereign means right rule. And because God is sovereign, because he rules rightly, he would not do that. He would not force us to love him. It would be like me being able to force Robin to love me, my wife. Now, that might be fun for the first 25 years of our marriage. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But, but here's the thing. That, that would get tired, right? Because I, w- I would want Robin to love me by her choice. And so God created us. He created us to worship him, to love him, right? He wants us to love him, but he's not going to force us to love him, right? And so, so, so what God does because of sin, as we talked about, right, because, because we chase after marshmallow fruity pebbles, right, and we get captivated by these things, uh, we sin, we fall short, Right? And so God does one of the most amazing things ever, uh, one of the most powerful things ever. Right? God sends his one and only son to this earth to put on flesh. Think about that for a second, right? God sent his one and only son to this earth to put on flesh, and Jesus became like you and me. Jesus walked this earth in the flesh. He had limitations. Jesus got hungry. Jesus probably got cold. Jesus needed clothing, just like you and me. And Jesus walked this earth. And you know what Jesus did? Jesus lived a life that you and I cannot live. Jesus didn't walk through the supermarket in Israel and see marshmallow fruity pebbles and be like, man, that is so awesome, right? And grab the box, you know? Now, he may have seen the, he may have been like, that, that's pretty cool. God, that, that's Father, you did good with this one, right? He may have done that. I was just kidding, guys. You can laugh. It's all right. It's good. It's good. Um, but, but what I'm saying is Jesus lived a life that you and I could not live, right? Jesus did not get, his, his, his heart was always captivated by God the Father. He always looked to God the Father. He always knew how big and awesome his Father was, and he always stayed true to the course. And so Jesus lived a life that you and I could not live. And you know what Jesus did? Jesus died on a cross. He died a death that you and I should have died. You know why Jesus died on the cross? Jesus died on the cross because our hearts get captivated by things like this. Because we sin and we turn away from God. Because we lose our awe and wonder of who God is. And we turn to other things. And we look to these things to bring us awe and wonder. And they just can't do it. And so Jesus died for our disobedience. Jesus died for all of our sins. And that was the most powerful thing that God could do. You know why? Because at that moment when Jesus died on the cross, and he died for all of our sins, and get this, he died for all of your sins, past, present, and future. Think about that for a second. And because Jesus did that, Right? And, then he, and then he was buried in the grave, and on the third day, he was raised up. There, there's a beautiful conversation, parents, go back and read it with your kids, that Jesus has with Pilate. And Pilate's like, don't you know that I have the authority to let you go? And Jesus says, I got, I got, I got goosebumps here. Jesus says, you will have no authority unless it was granted to you by my Father. That's how powerful our God is. Jesus said, I lay down my life 
and I pick it back up again. That's how powerful our God is. Jesus died on the cross for our sins, and then he was buried in a grave, and then he raised on the third day. And because of that, Jesus defeated. He defeated death. He defeated sin. He overcame all those things. That's, a, that's how powerful our God is. And, and all we've got to do, man, is we've got to put our trust and faith in Jesus and what he did for us on the cross. And we can have victory over those things as well. Our sins can be forgiven. And our relationship with God is restored. And we can begin, like David, seeing how awesome and how big and how great and mighty and powerful our God is. And we can be captivated by that and not by the things of this world. Because these things don't last. They don't satisfy, do they? Right? Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much. Thank you for... Uh, thank you for the way that you love us. Thank you for, God, just who you are and how awesome and powerful and mighty you are. And, God, I just pray this morning that as we've studied your word that, uh, that just a little bit has, has, has sunk into our, our hearts today. God, that we've just gotten a, a, a small glimpse of how, how all-knowing and all-present and all-powerful you are. So, Father, I pray that as we finish out the service here, God, that you would just help us to take these things and and go home and just build on them. God, just thank you for your grace and mercy. Thank you for your son, Jesus. It's his name we pray. Amen. So, we're going to move into a time of a communion. We do this every week at Chester Christian Church. And before we do that, though, let let me speak to the parents just real quick, okay? Because I want to give you uh, one simple thing that you can do that you can continue creating awe and wonder in your kids. And it's really easy. You just got to be in tune with it, okay? Every opportunity that you get, every opportunity that you get to point out to your kids something about God, you do it. I'll give you an example. The other night, my kids were in the yard chasing lightning bugs. How cool are lightning bugs, right? Bugs that light up. I mean, come on. You know what I mean? How cool is that? I mean, just you think about that, like you're in awe. Like, God, you made lightning bugs. And so my kids were running around, and we just simply pointed out, said, who made, we asked, we, I asked this question all the time. I said, hey, who made lightning bugs? God made lightning bugs. How awesome is God that he made a bug that lights up for us, like for our enjoyment. How much enjoyment as a kid do you get out of chasing lightning bugs, right? And God did that. How, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, so just every opportunity, right? The moon, right? The stars, look at it. The, the, and you just point these things out and say, who made that? God made that. God is big. God is powerful. God is mighty. Every opportunity you get, you point them to the awe and wonder of God you point them to Jesus. Like we even do this in the discipline process. When we discipline our kids, we talk about how because of their disobedience, man, it separates them from God. It, the, when they disobey mommy and daddy, it hurts their relationship with us. And we walk through the gospel with them. And just, just point to them the awe and wonder of God and what he has done. Every opportunity. And you think, man, they probably get tired of hearing it. No, you, every single chance you get, you point out to them 
and, and, and just let them be in awe and wonder of who God is. Amen.